Come at the king, you best not miss. You're now locked in the zone, zone 32. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Zone 32 podcast. We got a trio tonight. My name is Jake. His name is Drew. His name is Will. Say what's up to the people. No, don't do that. We got too many things to discuss on this show. We got to recap the game. We got to talk about what we want to see during the bye week. But first, and most important, Will and Drew recently sat down with a special guest. So boys, take it away. All right, everybody, we're going to get into something a little bit different than what we usually do. We have a very special guest today. We're going to sit down and do an actual interview for once and not just uh, yell over each other about how we feel about what's going on with the team. So today we have a person that I think everybody who listens to this is going to know. She's a lifelong Baltimore sports fan. She is a superstar on Ravens Twitter. She has the auspicious title of being the first woman to ever come on the show. So congratulations on that. Uh, She is, I think, the the most important title she has. She's one of the original supporters of the Purple Pants agenda. I think she would consider this to be her, her, her number one title. She's a devoted mother of three. And I wish that Lacey was my mom sometimes. She seems like the coolest mom in the world. Um, and also, she happens to be the wife of Ravens GM, Eric DaCosta. Welcome to the show, Lacey. Thank you for having me, guys. And Drew is here, too. I let him show up. Um, I have him sort of on a leash here, so I'll kick him out if he acts up. <laughs> so you just let me know if he's making you feel uncomfortable, okay? Okay. Yeah, you got about a half hour of me not saying anything off color, and then I don't know where that goes from there. Okay. And if it would make you feel more comfortable, Drew can stop hiding his Massachusetts accent. Okay. I'm used to those accents, so. Right. So if, yeah, if, that, if, that would, if that would make the mood a little lighter, then Drew, sure. Drew can drop the act. Yeah, it becomes unintelligible, though. It sound like uh, Ben Affleck from the Tom if I don't <laughs> try, to, try to cover it up, so. Everybody would understand about a third of the words that come out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Lacey. And I will say this, Drew and I were both a little bit surprised that you were willing to talk to us. But at the same time, I think one of the best things about you and your presence on Twitter and you know in the Ravens community is that you tend to touch every corner. Um, you don't necessarily let the fact that uh, some people may not be as willing to interact with somebody like Drew or me. Um, you know, some of the stuff we do is a little crass or off color. Um, but I think, um, and you you can speak to this, you know, but it, it feels like you kind of treat each person individually. Uh, def- definitely. Um, I've met so many interesting people and characters on Twitter that um, I have sort of been able to, with help from people that have been on Twitter for a long time, like the um, Rob um, elite Rob, he helps me a lot navigate through, um, who I should interact with and who I shouldn't, or just like, be, you know, be wary of this and be wary of that. And, um, so I've, I've learned a lot in the last, you know, couple of years being on Twitter and how to block certain things out and sort of take things with a grain of salt and laugh about certain things and not take things too seriously. Um, for instance, I know that there's a lot of criticism that comes and, you know, that's fair and warranted. And so with that, I kind of just like move on to the next and know that something will come along that will appease everybody in, you know, very due time. So it doesn't, it doesn't bother me as it much as it used to when I didn't have such a big presence on Twitter. Right. Um, so I, you know, I think it's important. A lot of people, I don't think realize this, that if, if it's very easy to find, you go to your profile, you've been on Twitter since 2014. Mm-hmm. Eric didn't become the GM until 2019. 
So yeah. obviously he had a high profile. Everybody knew who he was. Every year there was the discussions about uh, in the off season, like, oh, Eric Dacosta is this hot name for uh, interviewing with other teams for open GM spots. But it's not as though you ju- you jumped on Twitter when when your husband became the GM and, and that was your motivation for uh, you know getting attention. I know when I first started following you, probably it's almost two years ago at this point. Um, I think that's really when your your presence sort of started to be known within the the Ravens Twitter uh, community. Um, you only had like two or three thousand followers. It wasn't like you you were uh, asking for all this attention. I don't know that anybody even knew you were there to begin with. No, they didn't. In fact, I joined Twitter just so that I could, like you all, follow the team and um, you know just get breaking news and wh- however it happened. And um, when tw- I think really when it kind of took off was during COVID when people were just like, you know, star for content or interaction with people really. Um, my, uh, I had a cousin actually in Connecticut who was in college and he was a huge, he's a huge fan of the team and he was drawing pictures of the players and, and he would send them to me. And so I posted a picture, a drawing um, of Lamar and I tagged him in it. And at that point, I didn't even have really players really following me, maybe a couple, not many. Um, Lamar retweeted it and people figured out who I was. And then that's where it sort of like kicked off. And then during the draft, um, when we were here isolated, you know, I would tweet out different things. And I think people were just so starved for that on like just interaction with their favorite team or any kind of interaction with sports um, that they just, you know, we're just so happy to, to be able to do that. And I, it, it was, it was just fun. Um, so, and I it had no clue at that point that it would skyrocket as much as it has, but um, I do like the interaction as much as I think they, you know, that my followers like to follow what I, you know, put out there. Well, and you know, the, I think that your, your presence is very positive. You try to keep everything very positive. So, you know, um, I, I'm sure you've seen this. There's the, it's been coined the purple patrol and the legion yeah. of gloom. So the well, legion of gloom. I just sort of figured that out. Yeah. I just sort of figured that out this season. Yeah. 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 So I think that, that your positivity tends to rub the legion of gloom the wrong way because all they want to do is be negative. Right. And it is like, you know, it sort of galvanizes the, the purple patrol. So it, it's sort of like this thing that, that uh, it, it draws the, the line down the middle. And it's really funny because we're all here for the same reason at the end of the day. Right. Um, so, but you kind of right. answer, you answered a question um, that we were going to ask you about how you consume Twitter and how you engage on Twitter. And really what, so it makes a lot of sense that you really just got on Twitter, just like everybody else, just to sort of follow the team and, and get information. And it's really funny because I think a lot of people think that you have this like, <laughs> you know, back channel to all this information. Um, I don't. It's so funny because sometimes I'll see stuff and I'm like, oh, I wonder if Eric's really working on that or not. Hmm. And then, you know, I'm constantly like refreshing to see like, is, is he really over there? Is that guy really over there? And then, and typically like, I don't, he won't even tell me if they are or that they aren't. So, um, I, I get a lot of my content and for, for, I, for instance, I found out about Roquan just like you all did. Yeah. We saw your son texted you. Yeah. Um, I was curious if you ever get like, um, you know, the urge to kind of jump in when you see a report that, you know, is fake. Like if I see something online that I don't agree with or I know is false, I can't really stop myself from, you know, pointing out that it's inaccurate. And so just because you have, you know, you, you live with the GM, obviously, is there ever times where it's tough when you're watching, you know, I don't know, first take or listening to a podcast and you're like, no, I know this didn't happen for a fact. Yeah. For, yeah. For, that's, 
That's hard. Yeah, it's got to be um, interesting. And I know you and I actually share a common podcast. Morning, I always start my morning off with the morning vault. Um, I've They're always, I, I, I love Sarah. She's uh, very great, you know, at her job and kind of getting that quick hit out there. And I, you know, so seeing you tweet that the other day, I didn't know that you listened to that too. It was kind of interesting. And that was where we we're going to spawn our question about how you consume the media off of is, you know, how does that change the fact that you just by being there, you have like a different point of view than us as fans. Um, again, it's sort of just like how the fans are, you know, the criticism I understand, but stuff that is like blatantly not true. Um, really, I, I can't stand, for instance, I'll give you an example when people were saying that Eric and John don't get along. Well, that is like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I wanted to scream from the rooftops that that's not true. Um, just, I, you know, again, I think a lot, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I've, I've learned, which I didn't realize that in the media, people do things for clicks and, you know, just to get our eyes out of, get, you know, something. So yeah, that, I hate that kind of stuff. Um, but again, criticism is one thing. Fake news is a totally different, but again, I can't really jump in and say right. Yeah. And that's got to, biting your tongue has got to be tough in that situation. It's maddening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah can well, imagine. And that kind of leads into, um, I, you know, I, I've heard you or I've read you read your tweets when you've said this before. And this, it, you know, it happened, I believe it was last year when, uh, you know, a certain radio show made comments and you were in the car with your kids and it, it was, yeah. it, it crossed a line. So like, um, what can you just define the line? Because I think a lot of people don't understand. You still get a lot of people in your replies who are like, tell your husband to do this or, uh, you know, they, they take it to, to a level that's just not appropriate. So can you sort of just like spell it out? Like, hey, people, this as long as you don't do this, we're all good because, right. you know, I've seen a lot of it. I've seen more lately. Um, I mean, honestly, when people tell me to tell Eric to do this or fire so-and-so and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, first of all, I have no control over any of that. And second of all, it's like, would you like it if I came to you and said, you know, I'm, go fire your wife or, you know, the, so it's just, if you're, I don't appreciate getting attacked, I guess, um, for things that I can't control. Um, I try and be a positive presence for the fans and I understand frustrations, but certainly it's not anything that I can do anything about or control. So, um, and, you know, as far as that radio situation, um, I just thought that, you know, it's not fair for my kids to be sitting in the car and hear something like that, where they're like making fun of the fact that Cassie called us the first family, which is something that we didn't ask for. But um, so, and they were, they were great about it. They apologized and moved on, and I still listen to them. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, Drew, and I had missed that whole. I had missed that whole exchange. Obviously, being in Massachusetts, I don't get Baltimore radio up here, so it was um, interesting watching that unfold on the timeline. And I, I think it's it's great how you've been able to kind of spin. You do get a lot of negative feedback just because of your last name, and mm-hmm. I think that people, you know, don't really think it through and see you as kind of like a direct gateway to the general manager, which is really not fair to you. Um, but that the fact you've been able to kind of wade through that and do great things. Like I saw the other day, you did the uh, ticket giveaway of the family coming to the Atlanta game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen millions of, you know, things on my timeline of you donating to this or giving books, um, Brie, I saw that story. I think that it's, you know, kind of what Twitter needs that you're almost like too pure for the internet. <laughs> like you're just, you're just like too nice to everybody. And it's, um, it's a breath of fresh air though. That's Thank one of the things you. that I kind of admire and like following you to see is the, you know, somebody can take kind of the toxic part of Twitter and spin it into something nice. Yeah. I think that's something that we need to have more of and teach our kids because 
you know, it is such a great avenue to connect with people, but if you're going to constantly be berating and, um, it, you know, and, and causing pain to people, they're like, what's the point of it? It's like, you just want to shut it all down. But, um, and I've certainly been in that position many times where I felt like, I, 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 why do I'm doing, why am I doing this? I don't, I don't need this, but at the same time I do, because I love interacting with the fans and I've learned so, so much about Baltimore that I may not have learned about, um, different community groups and outreach programs that I can get involved with. And I met people like Brie Brown, who has become a very good friend of mine. Um, you know, I don't know that I would have ever met these people before. So, and I mean, I hope people realize that I, that is why I'm on Twitter. It's, I'm not really trying, cause I have seen people think that this is like a marketing ploy for, you know, the Ravens or Eric. It's, that's not it. That's just, this is just who I am. I've always been this way. I'm happiest when I'm helping people. Um, my whole life, I've been like that. My mom used to say that I was, you know, always bringing home the um, rescue puppies, you know. I mean, I remember I brought home like a chipmunk one time that was like dying and we brought it back to life. And she said, of course, she would bring home this chipmunk. It was I think it was frozen. And we like, <laughs> tried to bring it back to life. but um, that's just that's just who I am. I like that for my family and my friends and um, in this community. If I'm not mistake, mistaken, isn't that um what you studied in college. And that was your, your, that's, that was your work. You sociology. were doing, right? I was a sociology yeah. major. So I wanted to go into social work. So I actually, my senior year, I was um, working in a um, boys juvenile delinquent center and my parents came down to visit and I was so excited to take them there to see it. And we pull up and my dad was like, what, in the, what are you, you know, he's like, I hope you have your hair in a ponytail and sweatshirts on. And like, he's like, I, this is just, I'm, he was terrified for me to, to work there. Um, and so I said, but this is my calling. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to, and then my mom was kind of shaking her head, looking at my dad, like, you're not going to stop her from doing this because this is what she wants to do. So that's sort of how I got involved. He, my dad introduced me to Mr. Modell and well, I had already met, I knew who he was, but, um, to interview for a position with the Ravens. And even when I was my first position with the Ravens was a marketing assistant, and so with that, I did a lot. Um, I was able to connect with the community relations department, which is one guy at the time. And I always volunteered to help him to go to, you know, different like events where, you know, helping in the community, um, you know, building playgrounds or whatever it was. And um, I loved all that kind of stuff. So, I, and now I can use that avenue with my, you know, being married to Eric I can, it's, it's just full circle. I've come back to doing exactly what I wanted to do, which is giving back to the community and helping people that need help. And on Twitter, a lot of fans will reach out to me privately that I feel like I can't just let go because some of them depend on that daily interaction and um, help and, you know, just different things in life. And we all, we all need help in life. Definitely. Yeah. And it's wonderfully said, and it's all about giving back. Uh, the other thing that Will and I like when you give back is the Jersey giveaways. Um, I think it's, you know, always fun that you give the uh, three-part clues of which guy you're giving away and kind of let people guess to enter. Um, I wanted to compare Jersey collections, though. I'm curious how many Ravens jerseys you have. I think I might have more and more obscure ones than you. you might. Yeah, I mean, I, I have. I don't know how many know. I have. I don't have everyone, and I don't, and I do buy them myself. So are they more current guys that you have, or do you kind of have a, you know, a whole closet of, you know, back from like the nineties and sort of, you know, moving forward? Um, the only old jerseys I think we have in this house are like Ray and, and Suggs, um, Joe, 
but um, I'll tell you guys a funny story. So um, when, I don't know if you might want to air this or not, but anyway, when um, it was years ago. So I went to buy jerseys for the boys one time and um, we bought a Bernard Pollard jersey and I came home and Eric told me to return it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so when I returned it, the guy at the store was like, he's getting cut, isn't he? And I said, I don't know. He's like, he's getting, damn it. Because he had all these jerseys. Yeah, Bernard's a uh, a character for sure. And, uh, yeah, I've gone back and forth with him a few times. He's uh, very opinionated. It's always he, he at least no response, so I'll give him credit for that. But he's a um, strange one. Yeah, Danny Woodhead is probably my strangest jersey that I own, and that oh, yeah? was just being uh, yeah, a Massachusetts guy. I wanted to rub in all my uh, Patriots fan friend spaces that we had their favorite player, uh-huh. and then he obviously got hurt and didn't work out. But you know, right. If uh, you didn't return uh, that Bernard Pollard jersey uh, right then, you probably would have wanted to return it at some point anyway. Yeah. After, after the way he's been now, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's been, uh, uh, been one of my favorite cool. back and forth was with him and the NFL chick Rita on Twitter. Oh. That was oh yeah great. Yeah, she, she she's good at the clapback, and yes, she is. you know I will give you some credit, Drew and I Drew and I like when you clap back. You've been yeah. doing it more oh, lately, no, and and it's yeah. like it's just Eric one tweet. Like it well, it's just the one tweet. You you get your shot in and you move on. I like that. I like that style. You don't get bogged down in it. Um, but so we were talking about jerseys. Okay. We promised you we were not going to corner you in this interview, but I lied because I'm going to corner you on something right now. Okay, I'm going to put something up on the screen. Do you see these red numbers? Yes. Do you see a common theme with those red numbers? What am I looking at? Oh, the You're looking at the win percentages for the yeah. jer- for the jersey pants combinations. Yep. There's a common thread between the numbers that fall below 500 that are in red and it's white pants. Yeah. Why do we yeah. continue to wear white pants? I don't know. And you know what? I actually asked Eric who comes up with the, the, um, the combinations and he said he didn't know. Um, do you know where they keep the white pants? You know, like where they keep the team um, equipment. If if that information gets into our hands, we'd be happy to help dispose of them so they can't wear okay. them. In fact, actually, okay. I have kind of a hypothetical for you. Okay. I think we can all agree that white pants, especially the white white combo, has yeah. to go. It's bad. It, I mean, I know the players like what it looks like. I know there's a lot of people on Twitter who like what it looks like, but yeah. the, the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a couple of options as to how we can dispose of the the white pants okay okay number one it's very simple just burn them okay okay number two would be we throw the white pants in the harbor and i'd like to add we can have our friend brian who still owes us a jump into the harbor we can just have him jump in with them so that's that's an option um the third one would be we load them into a cannon at fort McHenry and we light it and we just fire them off into the sun (laughs) um the next one we feed them to the sharks at the aquarium. Okay. And then I had another one, but since you've made peace with the radio show, um, I was yeah. going to say we have the radio show wear them and jump off the plank of the constellation, but we're not going to we're not going to ask them to do that because no, you, no, no, you, they're good guys. You and them are at peace now, so yes. we'll cross that one off the list. Which option do you think would be the best one? Oh, I don't know. I think we have to keep them for prosperity's sake. Okay, so we should just like enshrine them somewhere in a museum. Yeah. Okay. Now the, I, I the yellow the pants need level. to go. Never again. We um, cannot do. Yeah. Did they ever even? I think they were only worn once. They were. Yeah. Was. And it yeah. was a debacle. Yeah. It was. I don't really love the purple on purple. It's a five hundred. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'd like to maybe get a little bit more of a sample size on it. So, like, my whole reason for jumping, like, I, I saw a trend with the purple pants when we started wearing them. I thought, okay, this looks cool. I always wondered why we didn't do it in the first place because we we tend to lean on black here. 
but purple yeah. is really the dominant color for this right. franchise. Um, it sort of sets us apart. Obviously, Minnesota is the only other organization that has purple as a dominant color. But um, the fact that we weren't really like leaning into the purple always confused me. And then when we broke out those purple pants, I was like, oh, here we go. So when we started winning those games, that's when you and I connected on Twitter. And I remember yeah. I reached out to you and I said, look at these numbers. This doesn't make sense. Why haven't we worn it? And you know what? As analytical as, as Eric is, he should be on top of this. I mean, I have to give him this information. You do. And if there is no, if there's no one designated for making these decisions, I mean, that sounds like a vacant position that could be filled by someone who, who uh, has expertise, who has put time and effort, um, who, who has passion for it. So you know where to come if you, if, if, if that okay. becomes an option. All right. I mean, I'm hoping Lacey just takes a spreadsheet and takes the job herself. I don't think you should have any decision power before being, for being honest, sir. But what is your favorite purple combination though? I think the white, Jersey purple pants. Um, and the reason being is because it's been really successful, um, to win at 77% of the time and it's always worn on the road. So it just, it speaks to the fact that for example, white on white is hundred percent a road look. We, we never wear that at home, but it's an unsuccessful look white with purple pants has been, if you're winning at a 77% clip on the road, I mean, I know a lot of people like to respond and be like, it's just a uniform. I mean, you could say that if we didn't have these kind of numbers to back it up trends are trends so we see it in college you know you have like university of maryland does it they have a whole i don't even know how many jersey combinations and uniform combinations they have oregon they kind of pioneered the 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 idea of these wild and crazy uh uniform looks and they use it as a recruiting tool so i know players you know these players aren't that much older than they were when they were going into college they're men they're grown men but they're still in their early 20s mid 20s they care what they look like right did you guys happen to see that interact uh, on mark ingram's um podcast yeah. Yeah, that they were uh, talking about the jerseys and, you know, which combo. I, I like the black on black, too. That's my personal favorite. Yeah. but Well, I like the black and purple jersey. But, you know, but I do like the purple pants. I, I do believe that there is something behind the purple pants. So, I mean, in fact, I was very happy that they wore them last Thursday. We are in luck because typically I have my, my tweet alerts set. The Ravens Twitter account announces the jersey combination on Thursday morning at 11 a.m. I think maybe because we're playing on Monday, they delayed it because it did not come out. So we have an opportunity here. I already, so we're recording this for next week, just to be clear, the the Monday night game has not happened yet. Um, So this is going to, this is going to come out afterwards, but we're still going to do this. Make a prediction for me as to what you think we're going to wear on Monday night. Mm. Let's see. We're not going to wear the purple pants because you don't think so. I don't think so because they have to, I think, I think from what I understand from Eric is they have to do certain combos, certain amount of times, um, early, whatever. Um, so I think, I think we'll probably do black pants, white Jersey. Okay. So on our podcast, my prediction was that we would run it back with white jerseys, purple pants, but I also kind of hedged that and said, I'm totally fine with us wearing white jerseys, black pants. It's, uh, it's actually got a better winning percentage than white, white jerseys, purple pants. Um, not as many games played wearing that combination, but I'm fine with it. Black pants are typically very good. And I think people do yeah. get a little confused that I think we should wear purple pants every single week. I'm fine with black pants. Uh, it's really, if the numbers told me that we played well in white pants, I'd be all about white pants. I want us to okay. win games. So um, I'm, I'm sticking with my prediction for white jerseys and purple pants. We're just going to run it back. It's another primetime game. We we looked great in the second half last week in that look. I, I, again, I think the guys, it's like um, 
you're you're a Penn State mom. So Joe right. Paterno back in the day, he he uh, he made them wear black shoes and white socks, um, and it was so that they would look slower. So it's like it's it's about the look. Um, I think we look faster in purple pants. So and we're playing inside. So I think it's a fast look. Um, so I think we're still going to go with white jersey, purple pants. But I can re- definitely respect that that prediction. Drew, did okay. you make a prediction, or, or do you not have a? I, I said as long as it wasn't white, white, I'd be fine with it. Okay, and I, I mean, think personally, we're, we're I'm all pushing on the same for them page, to get those uh, to wear those purple camo cargos that I wear every game. That would be my uh, <laughs> ideal pants combination. I wonder if it's like the t- if they have to wait and see what the home team's wearing. Yeah, we were talking last night that um, New Orleans actually they kind of lean into their all white look yeah so it would it it would really open the door for us to do almost anything if they decided to go all white which helps you argue the whole, yeah. whole argument right well yeah. i don't know the numbers on their all white so you know you know no, i mean if they wear all white then we can't wear all white so then we don't have to worry about totally us. correct so yeah and i would love to see us do black jerseys purple pants that's when we barely ever wear and we're two and oh so um, any purple black combination is great. It's just, we don't really get the opportunity a lot of times. So, and especially in prime time, I'd love for the the world to see us in the, in that look. Cause I think it's a cool look, but uh, I guess we're going to have to wait on that. So um, I am definitely going to clip your prediction and put it out though, like later today. So, uh, you know, uh, hope, hopefully she's right. Yeah. Well, well about- yeah. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm right. But if you're right, I'm, I'm cool with that too. I'm going to put it out there either way. Um, Drew, do you have anything else? Uh, no, I'm just you know, happy Lacey joined us. And it's interesting to hear from, you know, a different point of view that we don't typically see. I mean, again, it's not a, a, very often you can talk to, uh, you know, family member or somebody in the front office. And that's something that, uh, you know, that that side of uh, sports is always interesting. To me. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And Lacey, did you have anything that you wanted to to sort of like put out there that we haven't talked about? Um, I probably just to, to say that, you know, bottom line is like, I grew up in Baltimore and the Ravens were my team before I even met Eric and, um, the Orioles and I love Baltimore sports. And so, um, you know, I I think I told, said this to Ben when we did an interview last week that, um, you know, depending on whatever happens with Eric and our future with the Ravens, the Ravens will always be my team. And, um, and this community is, will always be forefront in my, my heart. And so um, I hope for everyone that we, we continue to be an amazing organization. Cause I think we will um, because we're led by first the models and now Steve and Renee. And so I think Baltimore, Baltimore fans will always be in good hands. Agreed. I wore a short sleeve shirt so you could see the nice uh, big Raven statue that I have here. Oh, so, which one also, is it? Uh, is it the, it's the, um, the, the bird, um, Ed? Not not like the regular helmet logo. The Simmons. Uh, it on it, but yeah, just the uh, the bird. I'll tweet it to. It's um, I got Red Sox and Bruins next to it, so I have to uh, I drive eight hours for games. I might as well, you know, have it permanently into my skin too. Well, are we gonna um, be able to see you again, Drew, this season? Yes, yeah, so I'm coming down. Um, I'm at least coming down to the Broncos game. Um, okay. My wife and I are deciding if we're going to go to another one or not, but. I mean, I have, I have seen six. I'm actually surprised I haven't run into you there because I sit in the club level. So close oh, you enough do? to your, uh, yeah, yeah, 237. So I'm, you know, oh, close you're right underneath me. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I am right there. And I'm going to photo up. Yeah. I'll come stand underneath and make my, make my wife take the picture. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll come down and say hi. Yeah. Yeah. We usually get there nice and early and enjoy the couches and, you know, um, yeah. open beer down there. So nice. Yeah. That's how I suck for that game, right? Yeah, Cole and um, 
I think it's just him coming from out of state. Yeah, him and I are supposed to meet up and get drinks. So good. I yeah, like Cole, partaking in that moment, Baltimore. We're gonna do a little promo for um Cole and Spencer and Jake and Kevin. They're doing a, um they're doing some sort of tailgate party ahead of time. So yep. Yeah, yes. I think I said I was gonna bring my chocolate chip cookies. There you go. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we tag them in so, so we can do a little cross promotion. here. Okay. All right. Well, Lacey, thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day and talking to us. And this was uh, so out of the ordinary, like I told you before we started, because usually Drew and I have a big glass of bourbon and it's uh, dark out and we're yelling at each other before we even hit record. So this was a nice change of pace for sure. And it was great to talk to you. It was great to, to meet you guys finally and talk about our favorite team. Yeah, for sure. And we're back. Special shout out and thank you to Lacey DaCosta for joining us on this episode. The boys seem to have fun, so kudos. Obviously, she's welcome back anytime. But anyway, let's jump into it. The Ravens went to the Dome, back to return to the Superdome. One of the few times to recollect on when they were there was Super Bowl 47, when again, Jed York called someone to go put a couple wires between a hot and a neutral and cause the main breaker to trip and turn out the lights. Don't let Jake start talking electricity. Tin foil hat, baby! Jed York paid someone to trip the circuit breaker for 35 minutes. But that's that's another talk for another Alex Jones-level conspiracy podcast. Anyway, we went there, we played the Saints themselves, and we got the victory, 27-13. to A score which... I didn't realize it until after the fact, and I was friendly reminded on Twitter that I called correctly. Now, hey, let's let's just clarify that you you originally predicted thirty to thirteen, but then I made you give me separate predictions based on your your uh, pants prediction. So, correct. All the people who want to question if the pants have a role, they do have a role because you you had one prediction for one set of pants and one for another, and the one that hit were appropriate for the pants that were worn. So and we're two and oh this week. I mean you had Lacey nail the uh jersey pants combination and then you had Jake nail the score. So that's uh pretty impressive by us. Uh pat pat ourselves on the back for that one. Yep. So. That's right. The interesting thing when you asked me for the lottery numbers, I didn't realize I was one digit off the actual scores for the first two numbers. So I was like, that's weird, but all right. But still anyway we'll get into it. So we won 27-13. to 13. Justin Houston came away with two sacks and a pick. The man's played in, what, five games this season? Already has eight and a half on the year, tied for second in the league. Balling. That, the 33-year-old man is balling. So, Drew, I'm going to start it with you. Give me your thoughts. Defense wins championships. Um, I was impressed top to bottom with the defense. Roquan looks, you know, like he was born to be a Raven. And given the fact that he was only here for like four days, and then had to travel and, you know, just came out and looked as good as he did. Was impressive. Um, Will attempted to old ticks expose me. Um, I have a lot of negative text messages about Justin Houston out there back and forth with Will over the offseason. I did not want him back. And I am going to put my hand up here. I am very glad that I was wrong on that. Um, you know, unlike other journalists who will say things like, you know, Judon doesn't move the needle. Um, Judon, Jesus, Justin Houston doesn't move the needle or, you know, doesn't do anything for him. Um that man is balling out this year, like legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. I only tried to expose you in private, by the way. I did not put that out for public consumption. So you just outed yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm all about owning up when I'm wrong because it's very rare. So, you know, people should know that I am human. Um, it is. I do make mistakes occasionally. So um, I was very wrong on bringing him back and he has looked great so far this year. 
um, that red sleeve crybaby bitch is the only one that's leading, you know, ahead of him in sacks and um, he can go fuck himself, you know, crying about not getting paid. Uh, you know, Justin is making three and a half million dollars a year and is putting up better numbers than him. Um, offensively, it wasn't a great showing for us. Um, you know, Lamar did not look his best. I do like the kind of the swagger he's been showing lately of, I don't even know if swagger is the right word. I had said that I was kind of half drunk when I tweeted it, but, um, he, he's getting mad that things are not going perfectly. You know, he's getting mad at the offensive line on, on penalties and not getting plays in time. He's getting mad that he's missing throws. I knew what you meant. I knew what you meant. Yeah, I, I kind of like seeing the, the anger from him and, you know, kind of the, he expects better of himself and he's holding himself accountable and he's kind of getting angry about it. And I feel like over the bye week, that's something that, you know, maybe he's going to sit down and work on with some receivers. You know, again, it, it was weird. He didn't have Andrews. Bateman's out for the rest of the year. I uh, spread the ball out pretty well. But again, just it, I, I kind of like that little attitude from him that, you know, expecting better from himself. And I don't think that that can have any negative effects on the team. Uh, Kenyon Drake also looked great. Um, I was kind of critical of him earlier in the year. He did not look good, but I think once he's figured out the playbook, he's been a very competent running back for us. And that's huge with, you know, J.K. Dobbins' new injury and Gus Edwards not being 100%. Hey, and on, hey, on the topic of uh, text messages of the past, you, me, and Drew, I could pull this text message of all three of us when Drake got cut originally. All three of us agreed he would be a good fit for the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't expect him to um, – I, I expected him to be better at the start. And I, I've read a lot about Greg Roman's offense and what he expects out of running backs and that it's hard to grasp and that it's not like, a, you know, simple, like just plug a guy in and they can work. And we kind of saw that last year with, you know, all the running backs that we had in that just weren't that good. And I thought Kenyon Drake was going that way, but he has looked great the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he's working out. Really, the only negative that I have from the game was Chuck Clark's, you know, bonehead play at the end of the game, not making that tackle. Marcus Peters bears some responsibility for that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I so I, I don't know. I mean, again, Marcus Peters probably should make that play, and he hasn't looked himself um, later in games, and he kind of seems to be fading out at the end of the games, which is not a great trend, but uh, Chuck's got to make that play. I mean, that is just bonehead city, you know, one-on-one right there. You, you cannot do that. You cannot let the Saints score right there. I mean, we were looking at like a dominant defensive performance there. And doing just enough offensively to, you know, really like have a blowout win. And then you let them walk in for that touchdown. But this is kind of a rare, you know, positive podcast for us where there was really not much to complain about this game. Other than, you know, Lamar not looking like elite MVP Lamar who's thrown for five touchdowns. Uh, Other than that, I mean, that's really all you can take away from that game is that one bonehead play by Chuck Clark and Lamar not being a superhuman. So uh, I'm pretty happy with that result overall. Agreed. The offense, I would say they looked proficient at what they were trying to do. Um, They were trying to control the clock. Like, for example, uh, the best thing I saw the entire game was us. We put some points on the board towards the end of the the first half. And then we, knowing we were getting the ball back in the second half, I think we went up 17 to 3, 17, 17 to 3 going into the half. And then we got the ball back second half and we ate seven minutes of clock coming out so i don't even know if we got any points there i think we didn't um we got three there didn't we We either got three or nothing but even eating that clock up 14 points was to me just that that's what we should be doing uh especially you know going into this game we 
if you were expecting to see us uh, be like high flying and, you know, throwing the ball over the place, that's crazy. You know, we had guys hurt. And as we know, Isaiah likely is a, a superstar in this league, as I said last week, and other podcasts have echoed my sentiments at this point. Uh, shout out the Exit 52 podcast. Love those guys. Uh, I'm glad they saw the light. But, um, you know, it would be unfair, I think, to to expect Isaiah Likely or anybody on this offense, just considering the guys who are missing, Gus Edwards and, and Mark Andrews in particular right now, um, <clears throat> to, to see us come in and just blow the doors off the Saints, like score every possession, anything like that. So it was kind of like a grind, um, and, and that didn't surprise me. But the fact that we could come out and eat clock up and we were basically ahead by two scores the entire time. Um, that, that was, you know, impressive and exactly what we needed to see the defense though. Like you said, Roquan Smith, especially the first few possessions, he established himself as a leader on the defense and he'd been there for four days. So, you know, I think it, it was either the first or second possession and we got the third down and it was a third and short and they ran the ball up the middle, which was something that if you've been watching all year was a, a, a point of contention for fans to watch those those plays because we would let that happen where it wasn't just that they would get one yard or two yards or whatever they needed they would get like seven yards or eight yards or 11 yards or whatever the case may be so Roquan Smith met Alvin Kamara at the point of attack didn't let him get those yards I think it was two plays in a row he did that and it like it lit the defense on fire. You saw Marcus Peters come across the line and make a huge tackle. We saw Marlon Humphrey was fired up all night. He came on a, a, a slot blitz on a, on a uh, third down. I think it was the first possession that the saints had in the third quarter where they were driving down the field where it, we were up by two scores, but if you're up by two scores and you have a, a team that's driving the field, um, you know, that can change very quickly. And that's something that's happened to us many times this season. So it was one of those things where it was like the defense needed to make a, a, a statement with a, you know, a big play. And they did um, Marcus uh, or not Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey had a great game. He had a pass breakup in the end zone that, I mean, it was like vintage Marlon. Um, he, he was, he was on fire. Uh, Marcus didn't have his best night. Um, not even like, I know you said, Drew towards the end of the night, he looked gassed or whatever. Like he had one play earlier in the game. It was actually not one play. It was a whole drive where he was just getting kind of abused. Um, yeah. So we were playing that soft zone too. Yeah. I, I didn't really like that switch. Could, yeah. Didn't love and that. I, I, I feel like, you know, Mike McDonald has been almost too conservative sometimes. Right. And so he almost goes into that prevent mode too quickly. And you were leaving yeah. a ton of space for a lot of it. And I, I feel like you've got to let Marcus Peters get up on the line, press a guy, and get in his face. That's how like he that's, thrives. Yeah, he thrives. Yeah, in the that's heat. what he does best. And yeah, so he, it, it's partially, I think Peters is getting gassed at the end of the games, but it's partially like we're, we're taking the foot off the gas defensively yeah. a little bit in our coverages. And I'm not a huge fan, but, you know, again, we won, so not a huge complaint for me, right. but like something to watch. Yeah, it was frustrating, especially on that one drive where Peters got beat like, repeatedly and then um he got beat in the end zone and it was just a drop touchdown and you saw him 
trailing that play and he like kind of threw his hands up and I was like, what are you throwing your hands up, man? You're the guy who got beat. Who, who are you mad at? If you're mad at yourself, I get that. But like, wh what are you doing? The body language I didn't love. So I, I was a little worried when that happened, that it was gonna, we were going to have some sort of defensive, uh, you know, implosion again. Didn't happen. So the defense, they didn't have that, like, you know, that brush with danger that we've had every single game. They didn't let it happen. They 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 really stood up and Bowser um played sixty seven percent of the snaps in his first game back. He wasn't, you know, I don't I, I didn't hear his name a lot, but on the first possession he had a huge uh he didn't he did not make a he made a play, but it wasn't like he didn't get a sack, he didn't, you know, force a turnover, didn't it was like a, it was a hurry, but it was it was a well timed hurry. Yeah. So it was just really good to see but him it was doing a legitimate what he does. One too, yeah. He like legitimate. Yeah. He he like legitimately disrupted the play. Right. And so exactly. those are the kind of you know that we argue about the pressures and shit. Like I I, I liked that he was you know disrupting things. Right. Um, if every way, pressure was defined that way, if every pressure was what if that was the, the definition of a pressure, then I would take pressures every single play. But. I think pressure is, is is a pretty liberally uh, applied concept in football at this point. It's sort of like juicing up guys' stats. But, yeah, so we saw a lot of guys step up. Kyle Hamilton was all over the field. He had a, a pick that was negated by a, a bad call, but also just sort of, I don't know. Chuck Clark. Chuck Clark, man. I, I've, you know, I don't know what's what's gotten into this guy's head, but. Every time I hear his name called, it's not for a good reason. I haven't seen him make a good play all season, I don't think. So it's, it's got to be when Marcus Williams is healthy. It's got to be Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, and Geno Stone have to be your three main safeties. Like, right. And especially with bringing in Roquan, you can give him the green dot. And for I know, sure. again, that we've, we've been told that, you know, the coaching staff laughs at us about the green dot. But, like, that, that, that to me feels like the only reason that Chuck Clark is on the field 100% of the snaps. And like you said, you're never seeing Chuck Clark's name called for something good that he does. It's always something stupid. Well, and, and that's that so, dates back to last year, and he kind of saved his season because he had two late interceptions last season. Um, it was the Rams game, I think. Yeah. So, it, like, otherwise, we were we were saying the same things about him last year. It was. It was yeah, just and like, you know, again, like Chuck Clark is one of those weird players where you know, is he? I've called him terrible on Twitter all the time, and he's really not that bad, but he's not a starting caliber corner or uh, safety. He's not a guy that you want playing 100% of the snaps. No, especially when we have a guy we invested a four, the number 14 overall pick in, a guy who I saw the stats earlier was since week three, he's had 130 coverage snaps. He's given up 40 yards. Yeah, I mean... 40 yards been... and zero touchdowns. So, I mean... Kyle Hamilton is a lockdown dime linebacker, basically. So, like, you put him on the tight end every play as, as much as you possibly can because anytime you hear Chuck Clark's name called, it's because he's covering a tight end and he's getting toasted. He's, he's, I mean, this, this he's might effective. be a hot take. This might be a hot take, but I think the Dolphins game was a good thing for Kyle Hamilton because, Probably. you know, getting yep. bullied all over the field, like, that kind of showed him. And Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are, you know, special players and they're, you know, different caliber wide receiver that he's going to face on a week in, week out basis. But I think it kind of showed him his own weaknesses and he seems to have grown from it. So, you know, when you talk about do you want to like baby a, a rookie and kind of bring him in slowly or do you want to kind of throw him into the fire like we threw him into the fire against the Dolphins? It didn't work out well and it has now seemed to affect him in a positive way. So, uh, you know, all about silver linings here, but I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. So the rest of my thoughts on this team, 
coming out of that game. Um, everybody did their job. The offense, I think they had a an assignment, which was win the, you know, don't lose the game. It's not even like we need the offense to win. It was like, okay, we understand that we're, we're, you know, short, shorthanded here. Um, we don't have any stars available to us besides Lamar Jackson, obviously. And, you know, Lamar had his moments where, uh, the, the, the wild play where somehow our right take our right tackle tried to strip sack our quarterback happened. Lamar Jackson lost the ball, picked it back up, threw it 60 yards down the field off one foot on an absolute dime. And, uh, the, the defensive back to his credit, what a, what a play to, to follow Deshaun Jackson all the way across the field. I mean, you watch that replay. The guy must've run 115 yards. It was crazy. And I've seen people criticizing Deshaun for that. I don't know that you can really criticize him either because, again, he's running 115 yards too. So, I mean, that was I think a, a younger broken play. Pulls that in. Maybe. I think a younger Djax pulls that in. And that was not a – like you said, it was a great play by the defensive back. And Deshaun Jackson played that ball as if he was going to be uncontested catching it. Yeah. And well, so, you know, maybe you can give him a little bit of criticism for that. But, again, you're not expecting a corner to stick with you like that. So. Right. And so I think at the end of the day, I think it's a better defensive play than a bad offensive play. It was a great yeah. throw by Lamar. It was a – to create the opportunity to even throw the ball was something that not – there's no not a human being on the earth who can do that besides Lamar Jackson. And any yeah. person who listens to this and tries to come and say that there is someone else who can do that uh, – uh, as as a a notorious person on Twitter said yesterday, drop a pin, I'll fly to you. You'll get clapped. That is a lie. There is no one else on the earth who can do that. Nobody. And this is not me being a Lamar exactly. Homer. I'm, this is not me being a Lamar Jackson. I'm not washing his balls right now. That right there was. I've never seen anyone do anything like that in my life. Just. The ball was swiped out of his hand by his own player, and he just picked it up, somehow escaped the sack and again, and threw the ball. And it was Cam Jordan. It wasn't it was like unbelievable. some scrub. Yeah, it wasn't some scrub who he broke out of a sack from. Like, Cam Jordan's a legitimate defensive end in the NFL. Like, I think right. he's got a couple all pros. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, he is, like, I, I've said this to, you know, anybody who will argue with me Lamar is one of one. And if there is one quarterback that's going to take kind of our. I don't know if our subpar weapon. Anyway, so we were experiencing technical difficulties. It appears Jimmy's communication services came and knocked out the internet. Good old Jim decided to cut the wrong wire. So Drew, I'm going to ask you. To continue from where you left off. You have to think it was motivated by Lamar hatred for knocking the power out there. But um no, I was just saying that on you know, to Will's point, like that throw that Lamar made was something that no other NFL quarterback makes. And I mean he truly is a, a one of one player that, you know, if anybody is gonna carry our offense to a Super Bowl, I think it would be him. Um, I mean, he's just, he's that good. Like there are things that he does every week and he, I, I, there's never been a guy where I've seen somebody throw an incomplete pass and I've had like my jaw on the floor, like, holy shit, I can't believe somebody just did that. So sounds a little yeah. weird hyping up. An Despite the pass, fact that we, we've seen, uh, we've seen the NFL run replay after replay oh, of Pat Mahomes uh, in, in, incomplete passes, but we, we may get that same treatment with that Lamar throw. I had that been completed. Because... Absolutely. 
At that yeah, past, I, don't, I don't know what it is with Mahomes. They just anything that guy does, the NFL Twitter account, him and George Pickens. So, <laughs> yeah, yep. I should we just slant, should we slander Pickens for a few minutes since uh, Grant's not here to defend him because he forgot his charger or whatever his issue is this week? I mean, yeah, you know, I, it would be fun, except they were on the bye, so he didn't really do anything this week. So he still didn't have a touchdown. No touchdown, no catches this week. It's true. He got outplayed by Isaiah Likely yet again. Isaiah Likely has two times as many touchdowns as George Pickens this year and has played about half the snaps. So right. just just food for thought. Agreed. So, you know, I think I think we've covered the, the Saints game pretty well. Um, but since we're talking about George Pickens, and this is a guy that there's a lot of people in the Ravens Twitter community that have uh, expressed – uh, sort of a, a regret that we weren't able to, to get him or trade up for him or, you know, some people have gone so far as to say we should have drafted him at 25 overall, which is one of the most insane takes I've seen on Twitter. Um, but, you know, last week I made it very clear. We drafted the right guy. Isaiah likely now scored two weeks in a row. Um, he is, you know, he's established himself as a, 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 a key piece of the offense. Uh, Lamar trusts him. He had a shaky game, I'd say, this past week. A couple drops, one that you know we were lucky that it didn't turn into a turnover, but he still had that that uh, touchdown catch. That being said, um, the fact that no wide receiver really you know stepped up and and made their presence known. Uh, well, you know, they also didn't play. I would like to say that they didn't play Victor more than four snaps. So I mean, that's that's your that's your future true, outside. True, play. but. There is a dominant wide receiver who is about to be available. And, you know, there's been talk about him with the Ravens. I think, you know, over the past two seasons, his name gets mentioned a lot. He's he's always been very uh, complimentary of Lamar openly. And that's Odell Beckham. And the report came out, uh, you know, I think on Monday. Was it Monday? Yeah, before the game. Uh, or it was yeah. early Tuesday morning that he's, basically going to get a clean bill of health by the end of this week. And at that point, teams are going to be lining up for his services. So I had a tweet thread go out earlier. Drew pretended like he didn't read it, but I know he, not only did he read it, he probably printed it out. It's probably taped to the wall in his, in his house. Um, I have been potting the table for Odell in Baltimore for basically two and a half years. So. You have, yeah, you have, you have. And, you know, I don't know that there's a single person except for, um, old heads who, uh, you know, ask, ask people to drop pins who would say that we don't need or want him. But um, I think what the, what most people have been concerned with is does Odell want to come here? Because Odell Beckham, uh, you know, famously he and his dad, I guess, forced his way out in Cleveland uh, because of his usage, because of his target share, because of the quarterback play. And I don't know that quarterback play is the right word for the Ravens, but the offensive system is not one that, is gonna um, unless you're Hollywood Brown last year getting 146 targets, it's not one where a wide receiver is gonna get this large target share. So I did some some research, and this is me. Um, I'm making some assumptions here because I am uh, contrary to what some people may think. I'm not friends with Odell. Um, I did post some pictures of him at the airport, but uh, you know, I wasn't with him. Those were taken by a source. Yeah, exactly. I sent one of my photographers out there for that. But um, Odell, I think, is in a position coming off of a an ACL tear, second ACL tear in the same knee in the in two seasons. Um, 
So I think he's going to be wanting to come back and kind of showcase his abilities, not necessarily put up stats. Everybody knows he's, you know, who he is. They want to see if he's still the same guy. And I don't know that stats are going to tell you that in an abbreviated season. Um, So it's got to be the right opportunity. I think the Ravens make a lot of sense for him because coming in wide receivers, we already know don't get a a huge, uh, you know, not, not any, wide receiver in particular, even when Bateman was in the, the lineup, he was not getting a, a huge target share. The only guy who gets a huge target share is Mark Andrews. And that would probably be the case whether Odell's here or not. But I think that it actually is a strength in the argument for Odell to come to the Ravens because we're not asking him to go out and run. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to ask him to be on the field hundred percent of the time. We're not going to ask him to do more than he should be on that knee, but it's still going to put on tape what he's capable of. So it's going to show his footwork. It's going to show his, uh, his release. It's going to show his burst off the line. It's going to show his separation. And then, and when he gets his opportunities, it's going to show his ability to still go up and get the ball and, and, and be that, uh, you know, game breaking receiver that he's always been. So I think the fit is there because it doesn't put too much pressure on him to shoulder too much of a load. But beyond that, um, I'm going to pull up, on my side here. Well, actually, while you're pulling this up, I do have a question or not a question, but to your first point there, you know, that we're not going to have a wide receiver. That's going to get a ton of targets like Hollywood did last year. I think that this is an even better situation because there there is the opportunity for that. If Odell shows that he is physically capable of doing that now. Sure. Um, I mean, we did show last year that we will throw the ball to a wide receiver a lot if they ask for it. Um, And I think that Odell, you know, not, not being relied on as the number one target. Like you said, Mark Andrews is always going to be the guy who's going to get the more targets, but giving Odell the opportunity for potentially higher targets, you know, as he gets more and more healthy, is always good. And I don't think he got the ball a ton last year with um, no, the Rams he either. He didn't. And so he went into that situation where it's basically like, he's going to get, they're going to, they're going to draw plays up for him. Um, yeah. And they're going to, they're going to put him in good positions to succeed. Uh, because again, he was, he was coming off of an injury last year too. So he wasn't, he wasn't totally himself yet, but he showed that he can be. Um, so uh, I think with us not having to be the Odell Beckham that he, that we saw, you know, in the beginning of his career at the giants where he was this high target volume, uh, you know, he was getting tons Run of catches. Hitter, he was putting up. Yeah. One right, catches, exactly. yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, you know, that's kind of why we have Deshaun Jackson too, the guy to stretch the field. Um, I don't think Odell was really that guy last year with the Rams. He was a guy who could go make a play for you. I remember in the red zone, he was getting a lot of targets. That um, that was, yeah, that, that's what we kind of need somebody for to our red zone offense is still not good. Right. So, so, okay. So I broke this down um, and I, I picked the Ravens and five other teams that I thought made the most sense. So I picked the Ravens, the Cowboys, cause they're being talked about a lot. Jerry Jones has openly spoken about Odell. Uh, the Chiefs, because they're always in on receivers, and they have not replaced Tyree Kill completely. Uh, they traded for Tony, but and they they signed uh, Juju and MVS. So you know they're they're doing it like they're replacing one guy with many. Um, and Odell could be another person that they they want to try and plug in there. Uh, then the Bills. You know they're a, they're a, an obvious contender for the Super Bowl. So any team that can add an extra, per- I think they'd be following sort of the Rams model there by by bringing. Well, and they got Von Miller too, so I know that he's been posting yeah. shit about Odell on there. Right, and then the Dolphins because I think the Dolphins with their two stud receivers, they don't have anybody behind them. I, I can't remember another receiver who makes catches for them behind them. Gasecki 
occasionally gets get some targets, but they don't have a third guy. And um, you know, relying Trent too heavily on but he doesn't really Trent Sherfield, but he doesn't really move the needle. So right. Yeah. 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 And again, in, in that situation, that's uh, that, that's a, that is a good situation for Odell to be that third option, but a guy who's the third option who can also be as good as anybody else on the field. So um, those are the teams, Ravens, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins. Now, uh, what I said on Twitter and what I believe is that Odell is going to sign where he's best able to demonstrate he's recovered healthy and able to be the Odell Beckham that everybody wants and expects. So he's really using this, you know, last third of the season, I guess, depending on the team he signs with half the season, whatever it is um, to show that he's somebody that a team can sign to a three-year deal or, uh, you know, maybe a two-year deal. I think he's probably aiming for a three-year deal, maximize that money over time. Um, So he's using this as sort of an audition, whether it be with the team he signs with or someone else. Um, And I don't think he's going to sign with a team that's going to put him in a position where he can re-injure that knee or, you know, obviously anybody can get injured on any play, but where it's a higher risk. And he had a tweet when uh, Sterling Shepard tore his ACL early this year playing on turf. And he said, uh, just get rid of it. Billions made off this game. I can't understand why we can't play on grass. This shit is rough. Prayers up for my brother. So he doesn't want to play. He doesn't want anyone to have to play on turf. What that tells me is there's no chance he's going to sign with a team that has turf. And I thought, okay, let's, let's cross teams like that off the list. But furthermore, they have games that are not at home. So I want to see who are they playing? So the Ravens are playing at home. One, two, three, four times. We have Bermuda grass at home. We're playing Jacksonville. They have grass. We're playing in Pittsburgh. They have grass. We're playing in Cleveland. They have grass. So week 11 through 17, we're playing on grass. That's six six straight games, seven straight I think games. Think you're missing a Bengals game there too, right? The last game of the season is the Bengals. That's week 18. Yeah. They they have turf. Now the Ravens in week 11 through 17, the combined winning percentage of those teams at this point in time is 322. That is very bad. So we have a stretch of games that the Ravens right now are coming into their own. They are a team that can beat basically anyone in the league. And if they continue on this trend, they're only going to get stronger. So it's very real possibility. They run through those games and don't lose a single game. Even if they do drop one of those games, they're still in a position where going into week 18, depending on how the Bengals do, they're already up on them. So we could be going into week 18 and it's a completely meaningless game. We could already have this, the number one seed locked up. If, if not, the number one C we would at least have the division locked up. So it's very real possibility. We get to week 18 where it's that turf game and we don't even need to play our starters or at least any meaningful time. And certainly don't have to play Odell Beckham if he's on the team um, with the, you know, I want to say depth, just like we have bodies. We don't need to put Odell out there. It's not, it's not a game where, where we have to win the game in order That's to. That's a rare situation where a win would be, or a loss would be okay. Not one of these, it's an NFC team. And you know, right. Not one exactly. of the loser situations. For right. Losses. I mean, it's, it's yeah. It would be decided already. So that's all I mean by that. Okay, now looking at the Cowboys, the Cowboys play on turf at home. So to me, they're automatically out the window. But on top of that, they only have two games against teams with grass fields. And 
the Ravens, I should say, have a bye. So we only have eight games. I think less games is better for Odell because, again, it's less opportunity for him to, to re-injure. The Cowboys have nine games. So of those nine games, two are on grass. The rest are on turf. Uh, the Chiefs, they have, a, they have grass at home. They do play nine games again. So that's an extra game. They have three games on turf. So that's clearly more than we do. Um, not as bad, but I will also add that I don't know how many people have been to Kansas in December and January. It's a much different climate than it is here. So the East coast, we get snow, we get wet conditions. They don't get wet conditions out there. When it gets cold, the ground gets frozen and it's ice. That's what happens. They, they, it's not a snowy climate. They get winds coming in off the plains and it, the temperature drops and it gets ugly out there. So again, then he'd be playing on grass that basically is like cement. Uh, the bills and giants both, Every single one of their games is either on turf or against a team with notoriously bad grass. So the Bills play in Chicago and the Giants play in Washington. Both of those fields are known to be two of the worst in the in the league. So I say neither one of those is really an option for Odell because it just presents too much of a risk. And then the Dolphins, I think, um, are on par, maybe even a step ahead of the Chiefs. Because, like I said earlier, with those wide receivers they already have, it slots Odell in to sort of be successful because he doesn't have to be the number one or number two option, but he still has the skill level to perform at that level. Um, they do have a bye, so they have only eight games instead of nine, and they play four, play five games on grass, including their home games. And obviously, Odell is known to be a guy who frequents Miami as well, so I could see that being an appealing destination for him. So I think it's really between us, the Chiefs, and the Dolphins. And, you know, I think um, it's going to be a personal preference thing for Odell, but the Ravens with one game on turf that potentially wouldn't even be one where we would put him on the field, um, I just think it's the safest bet for him. Um, He gets to play with Lamar, who he's said many, many times he respects and admires his game. So I think we have a better chance at it than people are giving us. Um, I would call us a dark horse because obviously if you want to put betting odds on it, the chiefs and dolphins have these high powered passing offenses. So um, I think you're missing a team too, but which one? That's just me. I think green Bay has to be a uh, potential option. there. So I did look at green Bay. Green Bay has a hybrid hybrid field. And yeah. And I think that if you were talking, you know, desperate teams throwing money at somebody, I feel like Green Bay is kind of in a position to throw money at him. That's the only reason I would put them. I think there. Odell at this stage in his career, though, is not going for a money grab for half a sin. He, he's, he is. No, but if they give him like a three year, you know, I don't know, $35 million contract to appease Rodgers, like I feel like that's an actual possibility with Green Bay. Maybe. They are, they are he, that desperate. He's been watching and Rodgers doesn't. Oh, they Rod- suck. Yeah. Yeah. They look bad. And Rodgers, who knows if he's going to be around? There's void years on that deal he signed. So. You know, he could he could retire. He, he might just retire to to uh, sure. northern Africa and go, uh, you know, ingest ayahuasca and never be seen again. So um, I, I don't know that that's the the sort of situation that even whether it be the short term half season for Odell or the long term, I, I don't I don't see it being a stable situation up there for him. I know if it were last year, it would be a completely different story. But uh, he would also be walking in there and I think be looked at as the, you know, the the go to guy in that offense on at wide receiver. And I, I think it would be asking too much. We don't know exactly how healthy he is. So this is my theory. Uh, I, I feel like called Lazard and all pro. Well, you can call anybody anything you want. Like, uh, you know, 
you go on Twitter, you you and I have wield great power now. Um, but yesterday we yeah, didn't. We're verified. So, yeah. So um, I've always had that's great basically power, yeah. Just, basically, uh, Aaron Rodgers gave gave Alan Lazard a a, a a Twitter blue check mark All Pro. Uh, I I don't think that that's necessarily uh, indicative of his actual abilities, or at least what he's shown so far. Maybe he'll grow into that. I don't know, but. Um, I didn't put Green Bay on mainly because they suck. They're not a contender. So that was the other thing. I I, I made sure that every every team on that list was a contender. And I don't see Green Bay as one right now. They have a losing record, don't they? Yeah, but I mean the NFC is a the NFC wild card seems a little bit a uh, little bit wild. So yeah, true. They they um, may still be in that mix. I mean you're you're not wrong. For I would put them if probably fourth um, out of the teams you listed. I, I like us as the favorite, and you'll get into more reasons why. Uh, Chiefs and Dolphins are kind of a coin flip for me. I don't know if I'd want to play for Tua, and like you said, right. playing in Kansas City kind of sucks. So yeah, uh, I, I think mean everybody. Kind of I, I think every, both worlds, so. yeah, I think every wide receiver, you know, in an ideal world, would love to play with Patrick Mahomes. But like, yeah, you're right with Tua. The Miami offense, um, it, 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 I think it has succeeded despite him. A lot of these touchdowns we've seen him throw have been just like incredible adjustments by the receivers, not necessarily great throws. Um, so I think that that is a, you know, it's a, it's a carriage waiting to turn back into a pumpkin uh, with Tua. Uh, it's and I the could, amount of underthrows that are mind blowing with him. Right. Like exactly. how far he underthrows him. Now his, I don't think Odell wants to, you know, make adjustments on that kind of ball. No, like I, I don't either, wanna... but Odell has shown uh, ability to sort of make make plays closer to the line of scrimmage, make adjustments, run these routes, and uh, mm. his hands are incredible. So it, it could be that his skill set fits well with with Tua to make the because Tua's got a big arm when he's throwing intermediate routes. He's got he puts zip on the ball. He, it's when he starts when he tries to throw the ball down the field that he is is exposed. So who knows? But um, of all the quarterbacks, Tua would be I think of all those teams the only one with a worse quarterback is the Giants. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he would ever go back to the Giants to begin with. I just Me neither. That Me neither, especially because of, uh... the, because of MetLife too. Like, I mean, that tweet yeah. was about an injury that happened at that stadium. So, and I'm sure he still got sour grapes for that organization. So, yeah, I mean, there's another team well, that I, really... I considered putting in, and that's the Chargers, um, because they've had such yeah. an issue with because they with... have the in... they have the injuries there. But like you said, like I feel like if he goes into you know to the Chargers right now, I think he's wide receiver one. Right. And, I mean, and they I, have their turf field team too. So, yeah. So I just, and I wouldn't want to play for Justin Herbert. So, right. That's just I, me. I would be shocked if he signed with any team that has turf, considering that tweet that he put out where he was just openly saying we shouldn't have to play on turf. So it's, and, you know, uh, I, I honestly like our chances. And I know that that's like, I, I've kind of been saying that about everything, but I, I think that he is the, perfect fit for what we need right now like you said the you know not depending on him to be a wide receiver one the turf i, I just think that and again we're a contender too right. and everybody wants to play and he can play with lamar so agreed i don't know yeah. i just i just don't i don't see why we don't sign him but yeah well we- you and i had a, a private conversation with with someone on twitter earlier who says he's going to sign where he's going to get the most money. And I think that's just a a gross oversimplification because I think his money is, is a long-term outlook and a guy who has is coming off of two ACL tears has to show a team that they can give him long-term money. Um, So I'm sure that there are teams that are, are, that are maybe 
not on this list that would be, you know, typically not in that race who were going to try and throw money at him. But I think that he's a smart guy. He's like, he's far enough into his career. He's made enough money where he doesn't need to do that money grab right at this moment, because if he is confident Mm -hmm. enough in where he is with this injury to come back and perform, then he's going to get paid. He's going to get multiple years. uh, Once this season's over. Salary in, uh, in Bitcoin last year, right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's one of those guys. I'm I'm pretty sure he was. He took or he did some Bitcoin deal with the Rams. Like I said, the only way money comes into play for me is that it's a um, maybe a deciding factor between you know going to KC or coming here. If KC's offering you know twice as much money as we are, maybe that that factors in. But I don't think that they have a ton of cap space either. So uh, yeah. that, that that person who said that you know the the money could come into play, I think that they were thinking the same way I was with Green Bay that somebody who's desperate like that would come in and throw a crazy offer at him. But I don't know, like you said, Green Bay's kind of dysfunctional. So I don't know if he wants to go tie a couple of years of his life down to playing with Jordan Love. So. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, whatever we offer is going to have to be more than just the rest of this year, I think. Um, yeah. Cause he, he's not going to sign for veteran minimum prorated down, but so we're going to have to give him uh, you know, the rest of the season plus one at least. So I think that would be what it is. And then we'd probably give him like a $10 million signing bonus um, or something like that. And I think you do a Juwan James contract, obviously on a higher scale, but you know, something that whatever you get out of Odell this year is, uh, you know, you're not paying him much for it, but it's kind of, you know, like gravy. And then next year you give him a $10 million signing bonus, maybe like a $5 million base salary with a bunch of incentives. And I think that's how you got to kind of lure him here. Yeah. So, well, time will tell. I think the Odell uh, situation is going to unfold quickly once the word comes out that the the medicals come back clear for him. I think that they, he said by the end of the week was, if I remember correctly. So, so the only thing I wasn't clear on with that is that is he going to be ready to practice at the end of the week, or is he, you know, going to be able to start like training and really getting in the NFL shape at the end of next week? I mean, you have to assume he's been training. So, yeah, and, I mean, he's, but there's a difference between obviously like running and, you know, I, I mean, he's in great shape, professional athlete. And like, he's always been a guy that's actually like always been in the gym and cared about that kind of stuff. So I'll give him his credit there. But like, if he's like, how many weeks out do you think he realistically is? Well, anywhere he goes, he's, he's going to have to, uh, you know, learn the playbook. Now we had, we just saw Tony get traded. He'd been injured. He hadn't really been practicing. He got traded and he was basically immediately put in he got traded in the middle of last week and he started the on sunday yeah. yeah so and he you know he was only on the field for nine snaps and i think that would kind of be what you see with odell early on like a 10 snap uh workload but and and it's going to be very specific stuff where you know he practices they, they practice these plays that are obviously drawn just to get the ball in his hands just to get him sort of like let him take some hits um just get him comfortable yeah exactly um, so I think us having the buy right now too, again, is another kind of plus for him because it's not like he's coming in with this, uh, you know, oh man, there's a game in two days. Is he going to be ready for that? No, no chance he would be ready for that. And we obviously, uh, take our time getting guys up and ready and active on game days, but it would be, he wouldn't be missing. Uh, he wouldn't be just like missing out on time. He could, he could put on tape. So I think with the buy being right now, it's a good thing. Um, who is it? Uh, the Bills have a, a bye next week. But again, I think the Bills are, are not a uh, consideration for him right also, now. Also, Josh Allen with the Bills. you got to think of that situation, too. Yep. I mean, that's another factor you know, that just that just broke. And, you know, the UCL, if he needs Tommy John surgery, like 
They said it's a sprain. They said it's a sprain, but you know, a sprain can go from, uh, you know, positive to negative outlook very quickly, depending on, um, having played baseball as long as I did, you can go to 17 different doctors and some of them will tell you that it's a sprain. Some will tell you that it's a complete tear. And it's really all that tells me about Josh Allen is that it's a matter of time until he's going to miss a whole year for Tommy John surgery. Right. Because so. yeah, well, and because if he, they're saying he's going to, he's going to be okay. I'll play through it. Well, if that injury is lingering and he, his arm motion is off at all. He does anything, puts too much torque on that elbow. That thing's gone. So, and plus he's, you know, so Matthew Stafford has been kind of delaying the inevitable Tommy John because he's a little older, you know, Matthew Stafford misses a year now. I don't know if he ever bounces back and same was he like 34, 35 at this point. Yep. Yeah. And Josh Allen is 26 or 27. So Josh Allen misses a year and he still comes back and he's in his prime. Whereas, you know, like an older guy is going to delay the inevitable there. So I, right. I, I honestly don't know if you see Josh Allen for the rest of the year. Well, like and Josh Allen, really... yeah, he's got a contract too, a big one. So, yeah. and he's in year one of the extension, I believe. So, yeah. Um, and if it's really that bad, why would the Bills, the Bills would rather have him for the entirety of that contract than, you know, play this year? Right. Like their goal is not a one year window here. They're looking for a, you know, three, four, five year championship window. So why, why burn Josh Allen for, one season that you probably won't even win a Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, pushing through that injury is only going to make it worse because they, they throw the ball so much. It's going to be putting a lot, a, a yeah. lot of pressure on that elbow. So, um, yeah. So, you know, hopefully by the next time we record, we have an answer to the Odell situation and I'm right. And then we can just brag to everybody. And laps, yeah. yeah. You know, now that we're verified, we can say, you know, we earned that. I have a tweet of mine in the bookmarks too. So, I mean, November 18th might be a big day. Yep. You sure do. And yeah. and I was on record saying uh, the bye week was the, was when this was going to happen. So let's see. We can get Odell and a couple of big contracts over the, uh, over the bye week. That would be, uh, that would, that would do a lot. for the I think in order for us to get Odell, something's going to have to happen with Lamar or Marcus Peters or both. Um, those two contracts need, situations need to be worked out in order for the money to work, even to sign Odell to something, you know, just a respectable uh, contract that gets him through this year. We don't have enough cap space. To, like three and a half million, right? I think we're at like 2.8 million. So, yeah. And so you got to, you know, when you factor in all like the practice squad elevations and that, you know, just like typical roster shit. Yep. Um, a job is going to be coming back. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of have to have a little marks at that point. I mean, he's the one who does, you know, like a real dent to the cap. Oh yeah, I think we get. Well, it was. I think it was twelve, eleven point nine or eleven point eight million. We would get back on that extension. Seventeen. Was it? I could be wrong. I thought it was a lot. Yeah. Well, whatever it is, it changes though because of where we are. So really, we're only getting half of it. Yeah, but I'm saying isn't it? Well, we get twelve now, so I think it was seventeen before the year. Okay. Because I'm I'm pretty sure you can make his salary that uh one point oh eight million or whatever per per week or per for the year. Um, and he was at 24 million. So, I mean, that's 23 million you can lose, but then there's other like bonuses and shit built in. Well, like, yeah, his signing, his signing bonus proration eats into that. So, yeah. Um, but whatever, whatever the case may be, we don't have enough money to sign Odell Beckham and then move forward with cap space to account for any sort of injuries and changes that need there to be made. So certain, something needs uh, to happen. There is a certain guy on the roster who wears a number that Odell would probably want to wear here. Yep. that we could potentially move on from and save, you know, like a million bucks there too. So I don't even know if it would be a million. I think it would be like at this point, 
just for narrative sake that 000, I want, yeah. just for narrative sake that we want him off the team, it's like two million dollars. So, have we recorded since he blocked me or no? Uh, yeah, we did because you were you old take to yeah you old takes expose me. Oh right, yeah. yes. Search yep. search butterfly, tick yeah. move, but fair. Yeah, that holds verified journalists accountable, so I'm okay with that. Curb your enthusiasm. Music, yeah, that's always uh they I just that's an immediate loss for me. I couldn't even fight that one back with the curb your enthusiasm <laughs> music in the background. If you're supposed to the video, I'd be like oh fake, you know, Photoshop, but the music just kind of uh took me out. But so that again, was well, uh, well executed admit, hit. I've now admitted two losses this week, so you know I better I better have some wins coming up. Well, being being having a verified badge comes with great responsibility. So when you fuck up, you got to own it. Right. You know, I I got verified because I think that our class of media in the uh, football world is not um they don't hold themselves accountable. So I'm here to be the change. You know. Agreed. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm 100 with you guys on Odell. Of course, Packers don't make a lot of sense. It's like. The need is there, but they're notoriously cheap. They don't like to splurge in free agency. They had the one year in 2019 where they got Zedarius and Preston Smith and spent all that money. What have they spent on offense, though? Other than um, other than extending their own offensive linemen, they're really, really nothing. Yeah. They brought in Jimmy Graham, and that didn't really work out very well. And he wasn't even big money, was he? Because I think he was coming off injuries there. No, it so was I, like I that was an attempt they made to upgrade their offense with a signing, yeah. but... Yeah, I mean Mercedes Lewis is the same thing. Uh, you know, an older guy that he is so old point. too. It's crazy. I, I was watching. You know that he's the only it. first round pick that Aaron Rodgers has ever thrown a touchdown pass to. I I saw you say that to somebody the other day, and but I, I feel like I saw I was watching. Um, I think it was the dozen the Barstool trivia show. Yeah, and I believe he was drafted in like 2006, something crazy like that. Like that's a long that's... ass time to play tight end. I mean, he was with the Jags forever. Yeah, uh, he he's he was there for a while. He is, uh, yeah, he's he's old. And then Great. Sammy Watkins might catch touchdown pass for him this year, and then he would be the second one. But I don't know. I mean, he might be too. I doubt like, it. You know, he's been hurt. He's been hurt. Well, like lizard people are taking over his brain or whatever. His, uh, you know. <laughs> Have you seen? Dying. Hold on, I gotta pull up his um his Twitter account. His fucking uh, his bio is crazy. His bio is insane. Um, hold on. His 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 bio says abracadabra, abracadabra, abracadabra. That's all it says. What? What the fuck does that mean? Was he a juggalo? Talk about uh, here comes the boogeyman I, or whatever. Yeah, I mean abracadabra. Here comes a catch. That would be probably you know what he's looking for. That would be like a magical stunt to pull off at this point this year. Abracadabra. Here comes the goalpost. Don't hit yourself on it. And it's the fact that it's not the fact that these are like old tweets taken out of context too, where he's talking about like he's not himself while he plays and like lizard people and shit. Like he's said that to a camera with a straight face. So he's a strange character. I cannot believe I ever advocated for him in Baltimore. I had no idea how fucking weird he was until he was here. So I mean, we're, we are brainwashed people with wide receivers. That's why us people wanting Odell Beckham Jr. I don't understand these people who are like, why why do we need him like why do we want him we have this person we have so that i person. think it's i think it's the knee-jerk reaction in the opposite direction of that they see that like literally a wide receiver becomes available and everybody clamors for them because we're so wide receiver hungry that they're like well i'm gonna try to be smart here and you know say the opposite and i'll probably be right but odell's not the guy to do that with no and again we got that moron trying to fight our uh communist pal kip you know over over fucking 
not wanting Odell. Like I just, I, I, I would, I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, there was, there were people last year who said the same thing of we don't need Odell. We don't need Odell. We do need Odell. We like, do. It, it really, it's really that simple. He is the one guy that is available that you are not giving up draft capital for that could come in and make an immediate impact. There is nobody else like that. That's on the no, street right now. No, any other wide receiver we would bring in at this point would be more of the same retread bargain bin. Old. Yeah. yeah. So even if they're not old, then they're young and they're unproven or they have proven themselves to be bad or mediocre or, you know, whatever the case may be, if they're not employed right now and they're a wide receiver, there's a reason for it. The only person who isn't employed right now without it being uh, a factor of uh, his skill having diminished is Odell Beckham. That's it. And the only question mark for him is, is he healthy enough to play yet? So, you know, that, that question will be answered very soon. Yeah. And his dad will not pull a uh, Baker Mayfield thing here because that was all about the targets that he was getting and not even like, uh, you know, that he wasn't getting thrown the ball enough. So he's getting thrown the ball in like shitty ways that they were trying to use him as like a vertical threat. And right. Well, I, and, and B- Baker not even looking his way. Yeah. And so, I, I think Lamar, I think Lamar is, is hungry for somebody else to throw besides Mark Andrews. Yeah. I definitely. mean, really who, you know, like if he comes in here, if Odell comes in here, he is your wide receiver one, but he's your second target. And, you know, Mark Andrews clears a lot of space where Odell does well. Right. So I feel like those two guys work well together. I just think that this is the best situation for him. And I just, I can't see him going anywhere else at this point. Yeah. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think it, uh, it, he probably, really the it, imagine what it would do for Devin Duvernay too, because oh, I mean, asking Devin Duvernay, it, are you ready to, to, to admit that what I said is correct about Devin Duvernay, even though he is wide receiver one by default at this point, on, I would like you, I would like you to further expound on your point uh, as to your anti Devin Duvernay agenda. No, I'm not anti-Devin Duvernay. I'm very pro-anti-Devin Duvernay, but I want him to be in the role that he's built for and us trying to to make him be wide receiver one, which I don't think we're trying to make him be wide receiver one, but by default he is. Yes, we, we, we need a guy who can play wide receiver one in the way that it's meant to be played and let Devin Duvernay be that the guy who does the gadget plays, who... He, he's wide receiver two who has this expanded skill set that we can't really take advantage of when there's not another guy on the field they have to account for. So um, I think it would be, it, it would, it would open up everything for the offense and the offense has been doing great and they've been, you know, every week they look better. Um, but to, to add someone dynamic like Odell Beckham, assuming he's healthy enough to, to you, do it. Could you imagine a red zone set with likely Andrews, Kohler and Odell? on the field at the same time. Crazy. Yeah. See, that's where right. like having Devin Duvernay on the field in the red zone, if, that's he's, not, a, that's a not a great situation a, for he's him. He's a better running threat in the red zone. Than yeah. Right. But like we saw in the game, um, which game was it? The one where everybody lost their minds about the, uh, uh, it was the, the, it, the, the drop, or the drop back. Yeah. The bills, right. Yeah. It was the bills game and Devin Duvernay shouldn't be your red zone target. No. I mean, he's he, that's not his that's not his skill set. He's a no. small, shifty guy who does well in space. Devin Duvernay is the guy that on the goal line you throw a, a slant route that's you know three four yards short of the end zone, and you hope that he runs it in. He's right. not the guy that you're targeting in the back corner of the end zone because he's not big and he's not that kind of fifty uh, fifty ball wide receiver. Right. Exactly. 
And I yep. mean, I trust his hands, but he's just that's still not his. Uh, that's still not his strong suit. So why yeah. are we putting? Guys and Odell's in not big either. I think Odell and Devin Duvernay are probably about the exact same size. Yeah, but, but you know how they talk about Talon Wallace plays bigger than he actually is. Odell plays like he's six foot three. Yeah, you know, there's there's not a jump ball that Odell does not jump up for and feel confident that he's coming down with. Right, like and the like, other night, yeah, with, that's actually on tape and does that in the NFL. So right, well, and the other night with Deshaun with that ball that we were talking about that that Lamar threw sixty yards like off his you know on the run off his back foot that uh odell doesn't try and catch that ball off his chest he's going i mean we've seen what he what he does in that exact situation that his most famous catch he ever made was basically that same exact situation um and you know he he is catching that ball he's extending he's going up and getting it he's 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 making that play before the defender has any chance to make a play on the ball and you know, that's what separates him. That's what makes him a wide receiver. One, he, he makes a play on the ball. He attacks the ball. Um, well, so. And he very much approaches catching a football, kind of like a Ben Wallace going after rebounds. Ben Wallace was, you know, undersized, but pulled down a ton of rebounds because he was very good at putting his body between the hoop and the, you know, guy that he was boxing out. Right. And Odell has a lot of that in his game where, you know, if, if the ball's on the sideline, he's going to make sure that the corner can't make a play on it. So even if he doesn't catch it, it's not, you know, going to get picked off or whatever the, uh, you know, bad outcome is going to be. It's either going to be Odell's going to bring it in or it's going to be an incomplete pass out of bounds. It's going to be harmless. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I, we could spend six hours talking about how much Odell would mean to this team. But I mean, that is your one move that you make that is a championship winning move. And if that move is made, I'm going on a, a rampage on Twitter demanding apologies from about 10,000 people for well, I'm, I'm on behalf on our... behalf of our, our, our wonderful guest uh, loving husband. You, you know, see. the thing, like I, I have been far more critical of him than you ever have. And like, my thing with him has always been that he makes 90% of the moves and he gets us right to that doorstep. And then there's always that one thing that he needs to fix that he just doesn't do. And again, it's, it's, for millions of different reasons, but like Odell is the perfect situation of you're not being asked to give up draft capital. You're not being asked to give up ridiculous money. And he is right there for the taking. So like this, this is the move that this is like a, a legacy defining move for EDC if he signs. Agreed. Agreed. Because and- there's, there's no, there's no more. You can't talk about, and you know, people love doing the, the defensive offensive split on how much money spent, but like, Odell is a prime example of it's not always about how much money you spend on somebody. It's about signing the right guy. Yep. And so you can go get Odell for cheap. Again, it's, it's the same thing as Justin Houston. You know, people complained about the pass rush and I was very wrong on Justin Houston, but also like you didn't have to spend the money on Zadarius Smith when you can go get Justin Houston for, you know, a quarter of the price and he works out better. And he has the same sack total as one Zadarius Smith who you tried pursuing earlier this spring. So. And Zadarius has played every game. So, yep. That he Justin has. Houston has not. And I you think Zadarius, the first... Zadarius made 18 million bucks, I think, on that contract. Um, and Justin Houston is making three and a half. Right? Three, yeah. He, he got 120%. He might, he might... I think he may, I think it actually may be, le- I think it might be like 2.4 million or something like that. Yeah. It's something crazy. I think he's low. got incentives in there. But I, so I think he might end up making three and a half this year. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right on that. But his base was, yeah. it was 120%. Of what he made last year and last year, or is he one of those guys that gets the um, you know, how they give like later on draft picks like performance bonuses where if they hit certain thresholds, um, 
you know, there's some kind of like pool of money at the end of the year that gets divvied out among guys who get paid less. I I feel like I feel like I read somewhere that he's in line for like a million dollars in some kind of bonus. But regardless, surprise like, me because his base is so low. Yeah, regardless, like I'm I'm totally cool with the cheap option if the cheap option is the right option. Yep. And I, I just love the I love the the uh, the comparison and output for what we've paid because people were losing their minds about Z Smith and what the offer was and blah 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 and Justin Houston in the wake of that was tendered he got that that free agent tender and just the 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 amount of money we're paying him compared to what we're getting out of him especially since he missed all those games and we're still getting all all these sacks out of him and and leadership what he's showing he's he is the leader of the team i mean like we've seen lamar now the past two weeks show some fire but justin houston's veteran leadership has been by far the 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 most uh prominent person he's he's the guy before the game who's standing in the middle of the huddle he's the guy hyping everybody up he's pulling guys aside he's he's mentoring and uh that's something that's been missing from this team for sure for the past couple of years Chibs or Knit that we had on here that we're talking about how we lacked a leader. I think it was Chibs, right? Yep. Yeah, and so, I mean, Justin Houston is doing exactly what Chibs was looking for somebody on the defense to do. Right. Because Clayus Campbell is is a veteran, but he's not that guy. He's kind of too, um, too positive, too happy. And, you know, Justin Houston is kind of that, like, put me on the field, I'm going to go kill the quarterback. And, like, that's the kind of guy you need on defense. Yep. And, you know, Marcus Peters is – I still think Marcus Peters is the heart and soul of our defense, but he's a different kind of leader. He's uh, kind of a loose cannon, kind of a wild card. You know, he's going to be angry sometimes, and he might be angry at the wrong thing, or he might be angry at himself, and so he's a little bit emotional. Whereas I feel like Justin Houston is always kind of, um, you know, one goal in mind here, and it's winning football. Yeah. And they've been close together since they are in Kansas City. I mean, you can go watch Marlon's little victory playing – IG lives and it's always Justin Houston and Marcus Peters sitting together. So, I mean, it makes some sense. That makes yeah, sense. Those victory but... IG lives are just, I don't know. Something about Marlon's just trying to punch him sometimes, but like he is so, he's playing so well this year. That's another guy that the internet killed. Um, people wanted him gone. People were talking about we overpaid him and blah, blah, blah. And he is shutting a lot of fucking people up this year. You, will not like find, is... you, you won't find any of those takes from me. Because no, you know what, I... he can be a silly, a silly goose, and he can uh, put out his weird ass uh, food takes and My what's coffee, what what's yeah. coffee going to do for a guy like me, and everything else. I find him to, I think he is a uh, like a, a genius troll on the internet. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's a he is funny. He likes to fuck with people, and on the field last year, people had a problem because. He was a little more mellow, but this year he's playing out of his mind and he's playing with like enthusiasm and emotion and he's he he is energizing the defense. So, yeah, I mean, anybody who has any who ever had a complaint about him, um, you know, it, it may have been fair in the moment just based on whatever they were hoping to see from him. But they have to walk it back now. If they don't, if they if they, anybody who doubles down on that bullshit at this point with him is it, it they, they don't deserve him because he's he's a treasure if you think about it too this year is a great year of walking back stupid takes on the internet i mean we had people people were friends with who we you know like and talk to that were very upset about us going you know defense and run heavy and talking about it's not 2000 anymore and you know you don't win games by running the ball and playing defense 
And that's exactly what we did on Monday night. And we beat the fuck out of the Saints, who are a potential playoff team. Yep. So, you know, and again, you get all the people who talk about Lamar can never win a ring. I mean, this is a great year to win a ring and shut some people the fuck up. For sure. And you know he'll get fucking paid if he wins a ring, too. I think he's getting paid before that. I think he's getting paid before that. So. No, I do, too. But, I mean, if it, for some reason, he does not come to the table over the uh, the bye week and they don't sign an extension, I promise you in the offseason he's signing a, you know, five-year, $270 million fully guaranteed extension. Like, that's yep. just that. That's what's going to happen because he's that kind of talent. And there's no shot that they let him walk. I mean, look at the lengths that they went to keep Flacco here. And Flacco was here for one playoff run. And so Lamar has had, you know, four seasons of, of great body of work. And then last year that was, uh, you know, marred by injury and, you know, a whole bunch of nonsense going on. But, like, that's not a guy that they're going to let leave. No. And so Agreed. every week that goes by, I am more confident that he'll be here long term. And it's really just, you know, figuring out how much money it's going to take to keep him there. Well, I think that that's- gets figured. I think that if that hasn't been figured out already, it's going to get figured out in the next couple of days. Because yeah, uh, I think this weekend going into practice starting next week, this is the window. No, and I, I, again, people were making a lot out of his body language earlier in the year. I would say his body language has been great the last couple of weeks too. Winning cures everything, and I yep. don't think people put enough, you know, uh, put enough credence behind that. But it's 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 huge, and him winning games and not playing his best just kind of proves how good this team is. And him and, taking ownership over being over holding people accountable and being a leader and saying this is my team and you know if if they're going to pay me all this money i'm going to be the guy that goes and and tells every single guy you know i need better from you and he's been doing that so you know these are he 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 is really just like he's turning into a veteran player right in front of everybody's eyes i mean again i I tweeted this after the game but we're six and three and literally have not touched our potential yet. Not even close. Not even close. And they no. said that I, I listened to Sarah this morning and she was uh, Sarah Ellison. And she yeah. was uh, she she was doing the rundown of all the media that were covering him. And this is a sentiment that is across the board. Uh, Dan Orlovsky said, I believe that the Ravens are scary. The Ravens haven't even played a B game yet. Like the best game they've played is a C plus game. It was this week. So we're talking about a team that uh, you, if we play an A plus game, who who beats us? Literally nobody. Nobody, because we've we've already shown we can beat Miami. We had them beat. Uh, they're considered a you know a, a Super Bowl contender. We had Buffalo beat Kansas City this past weekend. Looked like they were going to lose to Tennessee. Tennessee is 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 in no way, shape, or form a team that is a Super Bowl caliber team. They're just not. I mean, they have pieces. Obviously, anytime you have Derrick Henry, you you can win games. They have a, their defense looks really good, but they're not a complete team by any stretch. They don't have a quarterback, whether it be Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill. I love Malik Willis, but he's nowhere close to a uh, you know. He's a, not ready. He's That's, not. Yeah. He's not. But the only way he's going to get ready is keep playing. But at the same time. They're just they're not a team that's going to go into January and win games. It's it's not happening. Ryan Tannehill's cooked. Um, so, you know, uh, the 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 class of the AFC is mm-hmm. us, Buffalo, Kansas City, and Miami. And yes, we lost to Buffalo. And yes, we lost to Miami. The teams, the Ravens team we that lost, lost to those two teams, those were different teams, a much different defense. Um, and it, it now and moving forward. We, we play those games again. Uh, we play those teams again. 
the outcome could be very, very different. Like the Miami game, we could have won that game by 30 points. How many times do you give any NFL team a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter and they lose it? Like there were some there were some freak circumstances. And again, it was our fault. And, you know, Jalen Armour Davis is getting beat up and down the field. And we were on there on our, you know, fifth and sixth string corner. And we had a rookie safety out there. And, you know, Miami executed. But, like, realistically, with our guys out there fully healthy, that's really not going to happen. No. Right. And same thing with, you know, Buffalo. I just think that that's kind of an aberration. of yep. You know, you, you got that aggressive play call on that fourth and goal to go for it to win. And you don't get it, then you have the literally the worst outcome where it's a pick in the end zone. So they get the ball at the 20 instead of at the two. Like that's a total game changing move right there of that throwing that interception. So I just think that you put us against anybody on any given week, and I think we win the majority of the time. You know, weird things happen in football any given Sunday. You know, it's a game of inches, any of those other cliches you want to say. But I think this Ravens team is actually built to win the Super Bowl. And yep. it's kind of, uh, I don't get that vibe from the fan base, but I, th- I think our fan base is mad for, is mad because we haven't won. And that's the right reason to be mad, but they're mad at the wrong shit. Right. And well, and, and they dig their heels in on, on certain things. And like, you know, we're the, the conversation about not addressing the wide receiver position and all that stuff is going to continue to be a conversation until uh, it's proven otherwise. And the only way to prove it otherwise is to make a deep run or a Super Bowl win uh without that upgraded wide receiver but again we've just went in depth as to how we can address that still so um yeah i think this team is is only now just starting to uh become the fully formed version of itself so those those losses earlier in the season you know they're on the record they happened uh they hurt but I, I can't imagine the team we just saw the team now this defense with Roquan Smith in the middle uh, and with you know over the next few weeks with Marcus Williams coming back uh, with Ojabo slotting into that pass rush with um, Gus and JK coming back on offense so Twitter just fingers team. can uh, can wait but that's you know I mean all all I know is we have guys who are on their on their way back who all make the team better and we're already playing really well. So the, the I mean, I, what other team can say that? I don't know. There's, there's any that are in that same position. So no, there's no other team that you should be more positive about than the Baltimore Ravens. Right. Even Shannon game. Sharp, even Shannon Sharp, who, you know, obviously he's a Ravens legend, but he kills yeah, the Ravens, Ravens a lot of the time. I mean, Ravens he's, in, is, is I believe he's in the ring of honor. So I, I think he qualifies, but um, he, he kills the Ravens more frequently than, than a lot of people do. But even he said they're scary. It's a scary team. They're a weapon. So if if you know one of the most outspoken critics of the team uh, is on the record saying they're a scary team and that nobody Our wants to see them quiet lately. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, the normal the normal Ravens haters are not very loud and very prominent right now, and that's always a good sign. Is how this team's looking. Right. You well, know, those, and the, the only forward. people the only people who who pound the drum, the wide receiver drum. It's you. You never hear this from the the former players. Those guys no. know if you can run the ball down a team's throat, that's that's a lot more scary and uh, difficult to 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 have an answer for than having a bunch of good wide receivers. It's, it's great. Would be great to have both. But um, you know, when you get to January and February, if you can run the ball down a team's throat and you can control the clock and your defense can do 
what our defense can do, take the ball away and stop the run and impose their will and, you know, get big stops on third and fourth down, just play well in high leverage situations. I mean, that that's a Super Bowl team. And every every guy who's ever stepped on the field knows that. Whether you have guys who can make, you know, spectacular plays at wide receiver or not, if you can do all those things that I just said, that's a team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs. And give me an Isaiah likely performance like Monday night where he had, I think he had one catch on five targets, but one catch was a touchdown. Like that's what we've been lacking in the playoffs from a passing game perspective is that, you know, guys make a lot of mistakes. Mark Andrews has been, I don't know if a no-show is the right word. That was actually an argument on Twitter this week of, you know, what has Mark Andrews done in the playoffs? People were calling him a disappearing act. But, like, if Mark Andrews just comes down with one of those big catches in the playoffs, you know, Demarcus Robinson's a guy who has shown that he can step up from time to time. Yep. Um, you add an Odell to that group. You know, you have Devin Duvernay, who's uh, got a, you know, game-breaking talent in terms of, you know, he can take a short pass for 80 yards for a touchdown. He can take a kickback, like, we just have talent in the right spots, and it's all about putting it together. Yep, agree. That's going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back to preview the game against the Panthers, and maybe Grant will remember his charger to join us. But in the meantime, I'm not Is sure. Grant even a real person? Should we discuss that? Hopefully he didn't burn his house down with that, that Woodwick candle he was trying to yeah, distort fucking, my audio with last week. Yeah, we, fucking we let's just, throw out some George Pickens audio and fucking light our house on fire. We could discuss that, but I believe him talking about voting machines being rigged. I think he might have gotten Epstein before he had the chance to prove his legitimacy. So with that being said, I'm going to make a couple of noises. I know that fucking clip. It actually worked. It worked. Zoom. Zoom. Zoom Zoom for the win. Zoom. Goddamn right. Down zone 32. 32.